This is the None of Your Business Podcast. I'm your host, Robert DeLude, and it is my mission to bring you inspiring stories from entrepreneurs, businessmen, and women, students, coaches, or anyone else who is crushing it in life and doing kick-ass things. We all go through struggles. It doesn't matter what our background is, but we can overcome them. And I'm going to show you how. Thank you for joining me today. Now let the show begin. What's up, guys? It is the Friday before Christmas. And before we get in this amazing episode with Caden, I just want to wish you and your family a very holiday, happy holiday season. If it's Kwanzaa, if it's Christmas, if it's something in between, I hope that you get to share those moments and cherish those times with your loved ones. You know, not a lot of people get to come home for the holidays, so just remember that. Really, really cherish those moments, guys. Um, Today in this episode, I have Caden Taylor. Uh, He is a trans man. He has the Trans Casters podcast. He works in nonprofits. Um, Yeah, he has, you know dog children he is just an amazing person he really taught you know he really talks about the struggles of being a trans person he talks about the lgbt community he talks about you know trans dating and you know how to accept being exactly who you are you know i i have a lot of respect for kaden um i have a lot of respect I couldn't even imagine having the courage to do something like this. Um, I'm blown away. His content's awesome. Check out his podcast, the Transcaster Podcast. Uh, Yeah. Anyways, I'm just going to let you guys get into this episode because it's fucking awesome. So, uh, but before I go... If you know somebody who might be struggling, maybe, you know, in the LGBT world, maybe somebody who doesn't know how to identify as a person, or maybe as their sexuality or their gender, or they have already came out and accept who they are, the loving person that they are but they're just going through a hard time maybe maybe if you shared this to someone who's going through a rough patch you can help them you can be their hero or another person maybe you know maybe someone in your family or your friends they don't They don't understand the LGBT world. Maybe they think that they're against it. Maybe by hearing this beautiful message from a beautiful person, you can change that person 
and bring light into the world. By doing a simple, small gesture of just sending this message, you can be their hero and be a better person. So, and if I would very much appreciate it if you guys went on Apple Podcast or Stitcher and rate and review my podcast. My goal for 2020 is to have 10,000 downloads per episode. And this isn't about a money. This isn't me trying to make money. This is simply by you rating and reviewing the algorithms will suggest my podcast even more and I can help more people and inspire more people to become the best version of themselves. That's why I deeply, deeply want, you know, I I appreciate you guys so much. And if you find any value from this podcast at all, that would just be a wonderful gift so this is a long enough intro um and it probably doesn't make any sense but whatever it's my show i get to do whatever the fuck i want so um yeah i hope you guys enjoy uh hit up caden on instagram everything will everything you need to know will be in the show notes uh listen to all the way to the end and bye two, three, and we're going. So who are you? What do you do? My name is Caden Taylor. I work a day job as a medical case manager for people who have HIV and AIDS for a local nonprofit down here in Florida where I live. And then my side hustle is doing my podcast and I'm getting ready to launch a business. And my podcast is called Transcaster Radio, which started in late June, early July. Um, so it's, it's still newbie, um, still growing it, uh, slowly but surely. But, um, yeah, I identify as a trans man. I am getting married in December. Right on. Congrats. I have five animal children, three cats and two dogs. Uh, yeah, it's a lot. Awesome. Yeah. So how long have you been doing that uh, nonprofit for? I've been working in the nonprofit sector since 2015. I graduated with my master's degree in public administration and um, did a few little things here and there and then got into the nonprofit sector. I have been in this job for actually a year. This um, this month is uh, cool. a year that I've been in that. I love the nonprofit sector. I I wanted to go into the nonprofit or public sector because to be perfectly honest, I wanted my loans forgiven after 10 years of working in it. So (laughs) (laughs) you're serving people and it has a purpose for you. So, I mean, of course I, I want, for me, I want uh, my work to mean something. Yeah, for sure. um, I, I didn't really feel that before. Like I, I'm 34. I spent, um, 14 years because I started when I was 16 um, working as a pharmacy technician in the Mm -hmm. pharmacy and um, although I was helping people was in a different way so Mm -hmm. um, I really want my work to mean something and 
I, I have to say my job now, I get up every morning and I love going to work. I, I don't actually dread going to work. There are days that are more stressful than others, but I truly love getting up and going to work every day. Right on. And that's, you know, that's the important part for sure. Yeah. I have had jobs that where I'm just like, I'm just going to call off today. Like, I don't want, I don't care. Same here. I dread it. F this. I hate working for someone. Um, I, I get it. So let's talk about your podcast, the Transcaster podcast. So, you know, you're pretty new into it. Um, what do you guys talk about on there? Like, what's the, why do you do it? Yeah. So um, Transcaster Radio is all about trans life. Okay. Um, basically everything that goes with it. Um, I, it's an interview based uh, podcast. So I talk to all sorts of different people. Um, they don't necessarily have to be transgender to be on the podcast. Um, of course, if I do try to focus on the trans community, but mm -hmm. I also talk about the LGBTQ community as a whole. Uh, and I have, I've had people, I've had, I don't know if you know anything about the trans community, but I've had Aiden Dowling, which is a popular trans advocate. I've had last this week, I had Vanessa Nichols, which is, she's a huge, she has a transgender son. And I've had, um, I had a midwife on, we talked about um, how the LGBTQ and especially the trans community is using midwives more nowadays. Oh, really? Um, yeah. And it, it was, it was actually an interesting episode. And I've talked to a trans pastor. We talked about religion and oh, being right on. trans and being a pastor because, you know, religion and, and the LGBTQ community don't always go, you know, hand in hand. Oh, yeah. I'm bisexual or pansexual. I don't, whatever. I'm in that category. <laughs> I just get confused about that stuff. But anyways, so I get it. Like, I was raised Mormon. Um, oh, God. Yeah. Have you heard uh, the Latter-day Lesbian podcast? No, I haven't, oh, but I'm going to check, check this out, out now. You've got to check it out. It's a, she was a former Mormon. She's now a lesbian. And um, she was a Mormon for like 45 years or something. Oh, like no that. way. It's, it's an awesome, awesome podcast. You got to check it out. Oh, I, once we're done with this, I'm going to search for it. Yeah, because and that's... it's hilarious. It's hilarious. Yeah. Uh, the name is just hilarious. I love yeah. it. Oh, man. Thank you for that. Yeah, amazing. I'm not Mormon anymore. Um, I figured. But, yeah. <laughs> so cool. Uh, man, that's awesome. The latter day lesbians. Le latter day lesbian. Yeah, her and her partner do um, the podcast together. Oh man, that's amazing. Thank you for that. Yeah, and they. Uh, yeah, and I. I talked to them um, before. Like we're. We're friends. I actually found them on one of the podcast Facebook groups. Cool. That's how right I on. actually ended up finding the podcast. I was like, I was never Mormon. I had Mormon friends when I was younger, um, but uh, it's it's definitely it's interesting because I don't don't know much about the Mormon religion until I started listening to this podcast. And I was like, <laughs> Holy shit! <laughs> yeah, my my mom's side of the family is from Utah. Oh, so we're from the motherland and yeah. uh, like, yeah, anyways, so, <clears throat> you know, let's talk about your childhood. 
When was the your first realization that you are supposed to be a man or are a man? Um, I'm not sure if I'm if I'm saying that the right way. So if I'm incorrectly, I'm correct, you don't want or... Okay, right on. Um, so I was probably, I showed signs if you talk to my family of definitely aiming towards, you know, male societal standards, Mm -hmm. um, when I was a kid, I think I realized that I was a boy and that something was different about me when I was about five years old. Okay. And I realized I had an older sister. I have, I have an older sister. And she, you know, liked to do her nails. And she would try to do these really very feminine things with me. And I was like, no, I didn't want to do it. Um, and so I, and I, I wanted to play with G.I. Joes and dump trucks and, and things like that. Things that I were, was like, you know, that my mom was like, I'm not buying you that kind of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. you know, you're a little girl, you should be playing with dolls, you know? And, um, so I dealt with that and it was, it was difficult, but I didn't know you could be transgender. You know, mm-hmm. that I was born in 1985, you know, those things weren't, um, there. And so it was at 15 that I came out as a lesbian because I knew for certain that I liked girls. Mm-hmm. Um, I had no attraction to men at all. And I, so I came out as a lesbian and that was, that was okay for my family to come to terms with, I guess, in some respects. Now that I look back with, at it, I, I'm not so sure they were. I think it was, you know, you're 15. They probably thought I was going through a phase yeah, the the famous word, going yeah. through a phase. Yeah, going through a phase and that, you know, I was just finding things out. And um, I identified as a lesbian until I was 30. Oh, really? Yeah, I I knew I was transgender when I was 20. I happened to be reading an article about, it was the first time I had read anything about transgender people. And it was about mm-hmm. a trans woman. And I thought, this is me. Like, it was a light bulb that went off in my brain. And I knew exactly this, this was who I was. But Let's talk more about that. Yeah. Like, yeah, tell me more. Like, what was it like, oh, my gosh, I'm relating so much to this. This is the missing piece of my life. Yes, exactly. Mm. Yeah, I, uh, I thought I didn't know that it would be okay for me to be the man that I always felt like on the inside. I didn't know that that was an okay thing to do. And reading that article was like, wow, like this is, this is who I am. This is what's been missing my whole entire life. This is exactly the person that I am. And, but I also was dealing with a lot of internal transphobia. I didn't know much about it. I knew that it probably was not going to be accepted um, by my family. How was society going to see it? It just wasn't talked a lot about, you know, mm-hmm. 15 years ago. Yeah, and for sure. Not that transgender people didn't exist. I mean, we've existed for 
a lifetime, but uh, yeah, it's just being socially acceptable. Exactly. And uh, yeah, not like yeah, no, I, I it totally... wasn't out there in the media like it yeah, is today. For not sure, that it's acceptable today, um, or that I don't want to say acceptable. I want to I that we're included in things, inclusivity. Correct. Okay. Because I think everybody has their own term of what acceptance is. Fair enough. Yeah. Okay. So, so from oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, but I. So I dealt with. I was very close to my grandparents. My grandparents raised me most of my life, and Mm -hmm. you know they're older. My grandparents now are in their eighties, and it was not an easy task to try to come to terms with that and so literally for a decade I fought with that internal fight with myself and whether or not I would be willing to come out even though I knew this missing link I found that at 20 I just couldn't tell the world and my family that hey this is who I am so for 10 years was it like six months on like oh I'm I'm so like I'm a trans man and then like six months off, like, Oh, absolutely. Like, no, not. Did you have like, and what I'm trying to get at, did you have any doubt between that 10, those 10 years until you came out? Of course. Yeah, of course. Uh, you know, because they, I of course Googled everything, which Mm -hmm. isn't always your best answer. Yeah. Looking up stuff like that. Um, I didn't get a lot of good things in the beginning and I had to, it was kind of like a mind fuck at times, you know, I, I felt like, oh, I found something, you know, that talks positive. And the next five things I found were negative things. Mm-hmm. And so, and one of the things that I found during my process was detransitioning, which is slim to none that anybody detransitions, but just the fact that that term had come up, I was like, yeah. Oh, you know, what, what, what if I regret this? You know, what if two or five or 10 or 20 years down the road, I'm going, what the hell did I do? This was not the right decision. Yeah. And so of course that played in my mind for that whole entire decade. I tried to commit suicide twice. I was Baker acted four times. I spent over a dozen times in the mental health, you know, ward at the hospital, I, you know, I dealt with a lot that I could not come to terms with, and I didn't talk about it. It wasn't like I went to therapy and talked about it with this and just hadn't decided to come out. It wasn't until 28, until the last time I tried to commit suicide. And I had, I said to myself, you got to start talking about this or you're not going to get anywhere. Like, because Mm -hmm. I was afraid that if I didn't start talking about it, the next time I tried to kill myself, it was going to be permanent. Yeah. I was not going to come back. And so I think I had this like heart to heart talk with myself that said, you need to go to therapy. You need to start talking about this. And so I did. I slowly did. It wasn't a quick process. Mm -hmm. It took me two years of, you know, intense therapy to finally come out to people I cared about and loved um, that, Hey, this is who I am. I'm transgender. And, and then it was, well, that was four years ago. So 
And then it was two years later that I actually started medically transitioning. So mm. it's been a process. It, yeah, it's, for sure. it wasn't a quick thing. You know, I, I had to take away and deal with the hate that I had towards myself mm-hmm. that um, I knew that this was who I was, but all this, the things that I've heard people say um, and the negative things that I've read was pushing up against me. And it wasn't until I finally said, I can't do this anymore. I need to accept myself that I truly knew what like true joy and happiness was until I I let that happen. Not that of course that I don't have bad days and that I don't still deal with depression. I talk about it on my podcast a lot. I deal with mental health problems. I have bipolar disorder and um, I deal with depression. Yeah. And so it's not like I don't deal with that, but I was dealing with that on top of my gender dysphoria and my gender identity and trying to battle through that. And it's interesting because Vanessa, who I interviewed for this week's podcast, we were talking because her son is 10 years old. And Mm -hmm. I wonder sometimes like if my parents had picked up on the cues or they would have had the knowledge of what transgender was, how my life would have maybe been different if at 10 years old, I would have been able to live my life as a boy and, you know, and, and of course I can't, I can't, I, it's not going to happen, but about, you know, what that would have been like if, you know, things would have been a little different. So, um, you said that you had to like remove the hay from yourself. Like, how did you do that? A lot of self uh, talk and a lot of working through it in therapy. I mean, talking through it and, um, and realizing that, uh, my happiness and the person who I was, was more important than any kind of hate I felt from other people. Like Mm -hmm. I needed to love myself in order to move on. And I think I, I mean, it took a lot and a lot of it had to do with like, I had to work through things that I went through as a kid and how my parents treated me and abandoned Mm -hmm. me and, and how I ended up with my grandparents. And, uh, you know, I had a lot of things that I had to work through and, then trying to work through okay when did i feel like i was trans when did i feel like i identified as a man and and you know and what how 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 i process that and things like that so it it took a lot of intense therapy for me just to talk about it and get through it and then just come to true acceptance within myself yeah i i get that i totally understand that um for me like i live in helen montana and if you know anything about montana we're about 50 years behind and uh, a very conservative i can't ever say that word town so we have like the state capital is thirty thousand people and i live in it so yeah um basically people still think we ride our horses to school and that's only on tuesdays 
Uh, but like for me, like to come out as bisexual or pan or whatever, like I used to get my ass kicked in school for that shit. Like yeah. I didn't know, but other kids apparently saw it. Um, and like now it's way different. Like when I see, I'll see openly gay teenagers at 15. I'm like, wow. Like, it is incredibly different now. Yeah, like that's. But their super... mindsets are completely different than even what you and I's mindset was when we were fifteen. Like, I mean, even though I was a lesbian, the fact that I was a lesbian, identified as a lesbian, then that was still not okay. Like, thing people's mind. I mean, not that we still don't have bigotry and yeah. And racism and things like that. But I, I do think that the younger generation's thoughts and ideas about society and people are changing. Yes. And I think as those change, they are going to change society as a whole. And I do think in the next probably 20 to 30 years, things are going to be incredibly different than they are from this day that we're talking. Oh, yeah. Most definitely. Mo I definitely agree with that. Um, so when you started transitioning coming out to your family uh dating how did you handle dating yeah dating <laughs> i'm sure any trans people person would tell you that dating is not easy i um, is dating easing is dating even easy for no for, yeah like no so but it wasn't easy beforehand but i think um when i started presenting as male i no longer attracted the quote unquote lesbian because they were you know they're attracted to women and then i was concerned about well you know i don't have i wasn't born with a penis Mm -hmm. And I haven't had bottom surgery. So how would a straight girl feel about dating me? Because I don't have the quote unquote part. Yeah. Um, but I, 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 I date, I, I'm getting married in December and I found my partner online and she had always identified as a lesbian and uh she had only ever dated women and so when we first started talking i was like you know i didn't know how this was gonna go and and but you know she said i don't really like labels i you know if you had to identify her now she would tell you she's pansexual mm. because she falls in love with the person not the gender or yeah yeah for race. sure totally but the problem is is that society still thinks and considers so much about what's in between somebody's legs yeah and that becomes a problem when it comes to dating for trans people for safety reasons a lot because you don't know uh trans women deal with this a lot more than trans men but you don't know what that person is going to think you might have gone on two three dates and you have not told them your trans identity and then all of a sudden they find out and you might get the crap beat out of you or you know yeah. verbally abused or something like that so 
it's a matter of safety too uh, for trans people. And I don't live stealth, which is somebody living as their gender without saying that they ever had a transgender experience. I openly live as a trans man. Gotcha. Okay. And I don't go around saying, hey, I'm trans. I don't go around with a trans flag. But if somebody asks, hey, are you trans or anything like that, as long as I don't fear my safety, I will certainly say yes, because I'm all for being out there and open for a lot of those people who can't be. Because I, I guarantee you that even though I live in Florida in a conservative area, I'm sure it's easier for me to be out as trans than it probably would be in Helen, Montana. I would, I would think that you're right. Um, I'm I, not saying I know for sure, but just thinking of Montana or maybe even, I mean, you're saying Helen is the state capital with only 30,000 people. So imagine a rural town that has 1,200 people in it in Montana. They're less likely to be okay and inclusive with a trans person than in a town where I live that has 200,000 people. Yeah, it, yeah, for sure. Totally. And unfortunately, there's bigotry everywhere. It's yeah, and closed minded people, uneducated people. Um, you know, we, uh, there's a, our pride is called Big Sky Pride, Big Sky State. And like, it started in the state capitol like 25 years ago, and they had it back here this summer. And like, in every other town, it's huge. It's, mm -hmm. it's huge. But in Mont in Helena, it was like the smallest pride I've been to in the last seven years I've been going and like really yeah it was really unfortunate but like it was cool that like Helena still accepted it and like all of downtown that was like runs like three blocks had rainbow flags all over the place so that was cool but I think if the more people are educated then maybe you know that 20-30 years of it changing will happen faster yeah, I hope so. And I, I, that's why I started the podcast because I wanted real good, knowledgeable, trustworthy information going out there about the trans community. And that, you know, because I have been told I'm a freak. I mean, I have no family left because they all disowned me when I came out as trans. My I have a little brother too, and he has told me that I'm mentally ill, that I am delusional, that I'm a freak. Uh, I mean, numerous oh, wow. things. And so, so, how did you deal with that? It's been um, an ongoing process. Uh, yeah. I just recently had a, I had been giving my grandma a lot of grace over the last four or five years. And I just recently had to cut ties with her because she wasn't getting it. Oh, wow. And that was a personal choice because I couldn't take the stress on me anymore. And it's been hard. I, my grandma was my best friend growing up. And mm -hmm. so it's been extremely, extremely hard. Um, I was talking to her at least once a day. Yeah. And, you know, I, but I had to think about myself and that was more important. And I had told myself when I transitioned that I had to focus on myself for one. Yeah, for I'm, sure. 
I'm the kind of person that will give to anybody that I can and do anything for anybody I can. And I never put myself first. I'm terrible when it comes to self-care. Um, but I, I realized I that, yeah. And I realized that I still wasn't doing that. And mm -hmm. even though I had, I transitioned, I still had not actually been taking care of myself. And so as hard as it has been for the last, it's been like two months since I haven't talked to her. It's a lot of it has been stress relieving because I'm yeah. not constantly getting misgendered. I'm not constantly getting um, used my birth name or anything like that. And it's one thing to get that when you're in their home or your home or in a private area. But when, as you can see, I have facial hair. Yeah. And I passed to society as a man. I've had top surgery. And so I, I passed to society as a man, as I was born a man. And so when literally she misgenders me and calls me my birth name, it's extremely, extremely hard to look at people and be like, yeah, she's maybe she has Alzheimer's, you know? <laughs> yeah. You know, I, uh, I can kind of relate, but not on the level that you are speaking of. Uh, my first name is Chase. And at 21, I decided, no, I'm F this. I'm going by Robert, my middle name. Mm -hmm. I hate the name. I, everyone pronounces it wrong. Uh, I don't like it. I thought, I thought I was pronouncing my own name wrong, and I just absolutely hate it. I wanted to go by Robert. A Rob when I was younger, my family didn't accept me or respect me enough to do it. So, like, my dad refuses to call me Robert, absolutely refuses. And I'm like, fuck you. Like, why can't you respect me enough to call me what I want? Yeah, exactly. And, like, I, so I can kind of, I, I can kind of relate on that, but I'm, I'm sure yours is very, is more serious than mine. So, but it's still, this is what you want to be called. And, you know, it's not like you even change your whole name. Like I did, you know, <laughs> you're just going, wanting to go by your middle name. It's to me is it's, it's not even about that. It's about respect. Yeah. And Hey guys, I just wanted to take a quick little break from this episode and tell you about my friend, Michael Chauncey. She is the creator and founder of Create Athletes. If you're still looking for the perfect gift for you and your loved one, swing on over to Instagram and find Tyler Michael Chauncey or swing on over to Facebook and find Michael Chauncey. Or just email her directly at createathletes at gmail.com. Everything that you need to know will be in the show notes. Let her know that you're listening to None of Your Business Podcast and Robert DeLude sent you. Now I'm going to let you guys get back to this episode. I love you. Happy holidays, whichever you celebrate this amazing holiday season. I love you and I'll talk to you soon. 
because you don't know, uh, trans women deal with this a lot more than trans men, but you don't know what that person is going to think. You might have gone on two, three dates and you have not told them your trans identity and then all of a sudden they find out and you might get the crap beat out of you or, you know, yeah. verbally abused or something like that. So it's a matter of safety too, uh, for trans people. And I don't live stealth, which is somebody living as their gender without saying that they ever had a transgender experience. I openly live as a trans man. Gotcha. Okay. And I don't go around saying, hey, I'm trans. I don't go around with a trans flag. But if somebody asks, hey, are you trans or anything like that, as long as I don't fear my safety, I will certainly say yes, because I'm all for being out there and open for a lot of those people who can't be. Because I, I guarantee you that even though I live in Florida in a conservative area, I'm sure it's easier for me to be out as trans than it probably would be in Helen, Montana. I would, I would think that you're right. Um, I'm not I, saying I know for sure, but just thinking of Montana or maybe even, I mean, you're saying Helen is the state capital with only 30,000 people. So imagine a rural town that has 1,200 people in it in Montana. They're less likely to be okay and inclusive with a trans person than in a town where I live that has 200,000 people. Yeah, it, yeah, for sure. Totally. And unfortunately, there's bigotry everywhere. It's yeah, and closed minded people, uneducated people. Um, you know, we, uh, there's a, our pride is called Big Sky Pride, Big Sky State. And like, it started in the state capitol like 25 years ago and they had it back here this summer and like in every other town it's huge it's mm -hmm. it's huge but in Mon in helena it was like the smallest pride i've been to in the last seven years i've been going and like really yeah it was really unfortunate but like it was cool that like helena still accepted it and like all of downtown that was like runs like three blocks had rainbow flags all over the place so that was cool but i think if the more people are educated then maybe you know that 20 30 years of it changing will happen faster yeah i hope so and i i that's why i started the podcast because I wanted real good, knowledgeable, trustworthy information going out there about the trans community. And that, you know, because I have been told I'm a freak. I mean, I have no family left because they all disowned me when I came out as trans. My, I have a little brother too, and he has told me that I'm mentally ill, that I am delusional, that I'm a freak. Uh, I mean... Oh, wow. Things. And so, so how did you deal with that? It's been um, an ongoing process. Um, yeah. I just recently had a, I had been giving my grandma a lot of grace over the last four or five years. And I just recently had to cut ties with her because she wasn't getting it. Oh, wow. And that was a personal choice because I couldn't take the stress on me anymore and it's been hard i my
my grandma was my best friend growing up. And mm-hmm. so it's been extremely, extremely hard. Um, I was talking to her at least once a day yeah. and, you know, I, but I had to think about myself and that was more important. And I had told myself when I transitioned that I had to focus on myself for a while. Yeah, for I'm, sure. I'm the kind of person that will give to anybody that I can and do anything for anybody I can. And I never put myself first. I'm terrible when it comes to self-care. Um, but I, I realized I that, yeah. And I realized that I still wasn't doing that. And mm-hmm. even though I had, I transitioned, I still had not actually been taking care of myself. And so as hard as it has been for the last, it's been like two months since I haven't talked to her. It's a lot of it has been stress relieving because I'm yeah. not constantly getting misgendered. I'm not constantly getting um, used my birth name or anything like that. And it's one thing to get that when you're in their home or your home or in a private area. But when, as you can see, I have facial hair yeah. and I passed to society as a man, I've had top surgery. And so I, I passed to society as a man, as I was born a man. And so when literally she misgenders me and calls me my birth name, it's extremely, extremely hard to look at people and be like, yeah, she's, maybe she has Alzheimer's, you know? <laughs> yeah. You know, I, uh, I can kind of relate, but not on the level that you are speaking of. Uh, my first name is Chase. And at 21, I decided, no, I'm F-, F this. I'm going by Robert, my middle name. Mm-hmm. I hate the name. I, everyone pronounces it wrong. Uh, I don't like it. I thought, I thought I was pronouncing my own name wrong, and I just absolutely hated it. I wanted to go by Robert or Rob when I was younger. My family didn't accept me or respect me enough to do it. So, like, my dad refuses to call me Robert. Absolutely refuses. And I'm like, fuck you. Like, why can't you respect me enough to call me what I want? Yeah, exactly. And like, I, so I can kind of, I, I can kind of relate on that, but I'm, I'm sure yours is very, is more serious than mine. So, but it's still, this is what you want to be called. And, you know, it's not like you even changed your whole name. Like I did, you know, <laughs> you're just going, wanting to go by your middle name. It's to me is it's, it's not even about that. It's about respect yeah, and respecting somebody's wishes, regardless if you agree with it or not, you should respect them as human beings. We should just respect people and we just don't do that. And I, I think slowly but surely that is getting better, but we, it, it all ultimately comes down to respect. And if you can't, respect somebody's wishes whether or not you agree with it or not then I personally don't think they're uh, they're fit to be in your life because I respect everybody I don't agree with everybody yeah but as long as you haven't done anything for me to disrespect you or have no respect for you then I don't see why I shouldn't automatically have respect for you I know a lot of people say well respect is earned 
but shouldn't we just automatically have respect for somebody if they choose to do something that makes you no longer respect them? That's one thing. And then yeah. they would have to earn that respect back. But yeah, most when definitely. When you go into a, a relationship, a friendship, regardless of what it is, you should automatically have respect for that person. Mm-hmm. Yes, you're, you're absolutely right. Like, why would you just be a complete douchebag? Exactly. Like, what? <laughs> like, that doesn't, like, I get, yeah. Where did, it, I wonder who even came up with respect is earned. Like, was it some miserable fuck? Like, Probably. <laughs> uh, so, if you could tell the 15-year-old version of you three things, what would it be? Hmm, that's a hard question, but a good question. I, number one, would say don't give up. Mm. Um, because there were times in my teenage years and then definitely times in my 20s that I wanted to give up. I mean, I tried to kill, kill myself twice and I, you know, I was at the lowest of my lows that I could go. And there are times that I run into now that, you know, I uh, wanted to give up. But yeah, I would for sure, number one, tell that per, that 15-year-old not to give up. Mm. Um, something else I would probably say be true to yourself I think I would have wanted my 15 year old self to have not at 15 I said I was a lesbian because I didn't know yeah I you know I couldn't even fathom the idea to tell my parents that no I was a boy and I think I would have just been t told him, you know, be true to yourself, you know, be honest with yourself, you know, because at the end of the day, that's what's most important. And thirdly, I would probably say, um, it kind of goes with number two, but love yourself because I, I had many relationships in intimate relationships prior to transitioning not like hundreds but i had some very long mm -hmm. relationships and yeah. they weren't good it wasn't until i loved myself for who i was i might not have the perfect body i'm overweight i you know i i you know i it might not match, you know, I have big scars now across my chest. Yeah. And it might not be what I thought my body would look like when I was 10, but mm -hmm. I, I love myself now with all the flaws. I truly love who I am. And because of that, that's made me a better per partner. You're perfect just the way you are. Mm-hmm. It's not only made me a better partner in an intimate relationship, but it's made me a better friend. Uh, and, you know, it made me a better sister, you know, brother. It made me a better uh, grandchild, it, a kid. It just made me, you know, I'm a better worker. I, it just made me better. And I think I didn't love myself at 15. I mm -hmm. certainly did not. I, I'm not sure 
I don't know. 15 is such an awkward age. Like right now I have, uh, my fiance and I are living with my mother-in-law and my fiance has a 15 year old brother who is also Mm. trans. Oh, cool. And 15 is an awkward age. You know, you're trying to deal with your emotions and, and high school and, you know, it's just, you know, so I think, I would probably have told my 15 year old self a ton of different things, but those would probably be the three top things I would, that I have learned probably the deepest and hardest lessons as an adult. Yeah. Mm, I like those things that I like those things. You know, I, um, I'm a recovering drug addict and alcoholic. I'm codependent to the max. Um, I didn't love myself. It took years of me just accepting like maybe i got a codependency issue like yeah maybe if i relapse over every time a relationship ends there might be an issue there Mm -hmm. uh but anyways um and now like i'm going to therapy and i've been going to therapy the last year and i'm like being in talk therapy is something that i was always ashamed of me too just super ashamed of and like now like i want to have that conversation let's open up let's be vulnerable and i appreciate you being vulnerable and sharing those experiences with me because i'm sure after lots of therapy you know reopening the wound mm-hmm. probably doesn't affect you like it did maybe two years ago certainly not but still opening yourself to vulnerability no matter what it is is can be extremely hard and it can be heartbreaking you know, Mm -hmm. depending on what it is. I still, sometimes when I still go to therapy once a week, every Mm -hmm. now and then I have to miss because of work or conflicts, but for the most part, 98% of the time I go to therapy once a week and we still hash through things, uh, you know, that I, I might not have hashed through two, three years ago, you know, that, you know, bring up a lot of emotions for me to, but I, I also think that being vulnerable is not necessarily a bad thing. It helps mm-hmm. you grow as a person by being absolutely, vulnerable. you know, I'm being vulnerable with you right now. I'm vulnerable every time I get in front of the microphone and talk to somebody else about my experiences and being a trans person on my podcast or being on somebody else's podcast and talking about it. Or if I'm standing in front of a group of students talking about my experience or anything, I'm, I'm putting myself out there and being vulnerable. But I also think that by letting myself be vulnerable, I've been able to grow as a person. And I think as a human being, I think we need to grow regardless of how old we are. We all grow in some way. Some of us are slower than others, you know, just like when you're a little kid, you know, my, uh, I have two nephews and a niece and my middle nephew is older than my niece, but she's always been taller than him. (laughs) And, uh, you know, they, they just went through, you know, you go through growth spurts, but I think as a person and as, as being a human being, we grow, we need to grow because if you stay at a stagnant still, it it doesn't do anything for you physically. It doesn't do anything for you mentally. It's why, although I despise going to the gym, I go at least three times a week because it I'm moving. I'm you know I'm progressing forward in something, and I do do stuff at the gym now that I actually like to do. But I still nobody. I don't want to go spend an hour of my day 
you know, it's, it's not my number one self-care thing. I do have friends that love going to the gym and that's their number one self-care. They, it's just not my number one self-care. So that's okay. Yeah. But I, and, but I will do anything to grow myself. You know, if, if I feel like I'm coming at a stagnant or I'll do something to, you know, get, you know, increase that. I just think that I, it's just my firm belief that as human beings, we should all grow in some aspects. I still, and no matter if, as I still think my grandma and grandpa grow at 80 years old. Mm. That's interesting. I, I like what you have to say there. That's, and I agree with a lot of it. I'm pretty much all of it. So I'm not, yeah, that's, that's really interesting. Um, so I'm not sure. Again, I'm very uneducated. Uh, I try and keep up on education, but not as much as I probably should. So like, what would you do if you lost your ID? Like, how's that process? Like my driver's license? Yeah. So I have changed my birth certificate. So my birth oh, certificate. Okay. Yeah. Right so on. not in every state can you do that, but um, I actually know the attorneys that petitioned the state of Florida to give us authorization to change our birth certificate. So oh, right before, on. Cool. Before it used to be, and still in some states, it was that you had to have gender affirming surgery in order to change your birth certificate. So I would have had to go through bottom surgery in order to change it, but within the last, I think it was about a year and a half, two years ago, they changed that policy at the state level and I was able to change my birth certificate. Oh, cool. Right on. Um, right on. So they do like when I cha- legally changed my name, I the very first thing I did was go to the social security office. I changed it with my social security number. I got a new social security card. And then the next thing I did was go get a new driver's license. So it, I would have other forms of ID, you know, available to me. Now I have not, and I'm not sure how that's going to play out, get my passport yet, Mm. which I need to, but I have not gotten my passport yet. It's the only form of documentation that I have not gotten since I changed my legal documents. And I also do have a, I could always go, well, you know, to be perfectly honest, without an ID, I'm not sure how I would do that. But I do in my safe have uh, the court-ordered document showing my name was changed. Oh, right on. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Um, If for somebody who's listening who wants to go and change their name and isn't in a state that doesn't allow that not no no their gender sorry change their gender on their birth certificate like do you have any tips on how they can get around that so if they won't allow you to change it on your birth certificate because you're in a state that doesn't allow it the best thing to do is get the passport because the passport you can change that's a federal document and they will allow you to change your gender on that they might, if you are in the beginning of your transition, it depends on how your doctor or therapist writes the letter. They might give you a temporary t- 
passport for two years. And they do that because of any kind of facial, uh, physical mm, changes you okay. might have. And then after the two years, they'll give you the regular 10-year passport. Okay. Okay. And um, that is what I tell everybody. If you can't get the birth certificate changed, get the passport. Because typically, if you know somebody wants like a form, like your birth certificate or something like that, your passport will substitute for that. Mm, okay. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. So I always tell them it just happens that I didn't get my passport yet, but I had my birth certificate changed. So. Mm, gotcha. So, like, are there therapists out there that like specifically like they're specializing in it? Yeah, specialize in yeah. transitioning. Is yes. Thank they're, you for. They're typically called gender therapists. Okay. And there are, uh, we actually locally here have two that mm. specialize in trans care and that's pretty much all their clientele is trans people. Oh, cool. Um, one specializes more in trans men where the other one specializes more in trans women, mm -hmm. but they both could do either or, but yeah, yeah you can um, Google gender therapist in your area wherever any of your listeners may be um, listening, they can just Google gender therapist. And I live in Sarasota, Florida. So, you know, I would put Sarasota, Florida and you could pull it up. You can also go on to psychology today. And if you go into psychology today and you're looking for a psychologist or a therapist or counselor, or whatever you want to call them in your area on psychology today, they actually will put whether or not they're LGBTQ friendly, if they have information, knowledge about the LGBTQ community, oh, really? trans community. Yeah. That's and interesting. So you can look there. Right on. That's cool. Um, what about doctors? Like how? <laughs> so healthcare is tricky. Yeah. And it's, there's a lot of um, stuff going on with our, president right now that yeah. he's you know trying yeah. to allow it that they don't have to take care of us and so in my area uh, an endocrinologist is the kind of doctor somebody would go to for hormone replacement therapy mm, okay. not that a general practitioner can't take care of them but endocrinologists are specialists who specialize in hormones and uh, they're usually specialized in diabetes, things like that. So mm, okay. in my area, the near, there's only one endocrinologist and the closest one is an over an hour away from where I live. Oh, wow. So to get into her, it takes, it takes months to get into her. Yeah, for sure. And um, so it's, it's hard. Now it's even harder when you live in, a less populated area because yeah. you might not find a trans friendly practitioner. Yeah, for sure. And I have dealt with some really, I have some really bad stories of things that have happened to me in the healthcare yeah. field. Yeah, for sure. And so you want to make sure that you look, if you can, if you have like maybe it's not in your town, but it's in a drivable distance for you. Look for like an LGBT center, like clinic 
that, yeah. you know, and they're more populated in like more urban areas, you know, uh, like, like, for example, like Los Angeles LGBT Center is the biggest LGBT center in the United States. Oh, right on. Um, so, but that doesn't mean that they don't exist in smaller populated areas. Yeah. So yeah. you just have to go looking for them. And, um, but also do your research when you're picking a doctor for trans people, because you don't want to, especially if you have, are a trans person and you have not legally changed your documents, mm-hmm. maybe you don't want to, maybe you're non-binary or gender non-conforming and you can't change your gender marker in that state to an X yet because that state hasn't you know allowed it which is most of the states so far so if you can't so it's you know you want to go in there like what i did when i found my general practitioner was i sat down and had an interview with her like i had a an appointment and i basically said i want to interview Uh, my doctor I don't I'm not here for anything and I sat down and tried to see what kind of trans competencies she had what kind had she gone in in a special training was she trans friendly would she understand is she willing to work with my endocrinologist things like that so um, you know I I recently had to go to a urologist Mm -hmm. and the urologist knew about my um, me being transgender Mm -hmm. and but the nursing staff was horrendous and even though I present as male all my identification says male the nurse kept misgendering me Mm. and it was all due to the fact that I didn't have a penis because we were dealing with the general area because it was a urologist and all due to the fact that I didn't have a penis they automatically assumed that I was a female. Mm-hmm. So healthcare can be tricky. It definitely, it, it's definitely not a place that many trans people like to go. And because yeah. of that, I know a lot of trans men who don't go get, you know, if they haven't had bottom surgery, don't go get um, a pap smear, which, you know, can cause a lot of problems. You could go and end up with cancer and not know it uh so it's incredibly important uh to stay up with your health care but it causes a lot of dysphoria for trans people and i understand exactly why a lot of them don't go i actually i had had my hysterectomy and i ended up hemorrhaging in the middle of the night and ended up in the er Ooh. and that was probably the worst experience I had with a healthcare provider. Oh, really? And you would think, what happened? you know, and I, it, because it, well, I was hemorrhaging from my nether regions. I, it, you know, it was constant she, her, and mm. it was, uh, you know, also, you want to be careful with what you call genitals to trans people because it can be triggering to them. Like, okay. I, I don't have a problem using the medical term vagina and penis, but some trans people might, that might cause a trigger to them. Really? Why do you think that? It, I know people that it does because it, it's too um, gendered 
to what they don't feel. Okay. Okay. So, you know, I have some trans men friends that call their vagina a penis and some trans women who call their penis a, you know, their vagina. So okay. it, you know, it just depends. But the problem is, is when you're working in the healthcare setting, it's kind of hard to not, you know, to not call it what anatomically yeah. it is. So um, it can be a conundrum for some trans people. Mm -hmm. I actually have been talking to a guy who really wants to go stealth in the healthcare. He doesn't live here. He lives in North Carolina. He's had a lot of bad, bad healthcare um, uh, over the last couple of years. And he wants to go stealth, which I understand, but I also don't necessarily think that's a good idea because I think that they need to know your background unless you are uh, just going because you have a cold. You know, if you're going to the walk-in clinic and you don't have a lot going on, I don't think there's any issue with not telling somebody you're trans. But if this doctor is going to be seeing you on a regular basis and they're treating you for things, then I do think that making the fact that you have, are, have had a transgender experience is important. But it's to each individual person's, you know, decision. I mean, like I said in the beginning of the podcast, I, I work with people with HIV and AIDS. And unfortunately, it's still very stigmatized. Mm -hmm. you know? I remember when I first started working there, people were like, aren't you worried? Aren't you scared? No, because I can't get it from touching them. You know, right. It's, yeah. it's not passed on the toilet seat, you know, and, and which is what it people used to think and mm -hmm. people still think today and i i and i realized that and so in any kind of setting it's important for you know you as a person to decide what you're going to disclose it's just i in my personal opinion i think it's important to disclose that information in the healthcare setting i think in any other setting i don't think anybody gives a rat's ass you know if you don't want to say it it's none of their business but i do think that in a healthcare setting it's important mm. very that's a lot of information thank you that's i'm sure somebody out there is just loving it right now well <laughs> not right now because nobody else is listening but when this gets published yeah. so thank you for that um you know, what do you have, like, maybe, like, a morning routine that you do for your self-care? Yeah, so I meditate for 10 minutes. Mm. Uh, and it's, uh, it, it's not easy for me, but mm -hmm. it's just a time for me just to kind of take all this crap that's in my head and put it away yeah. and it's helped um my daily my daily routine i i am that kind of person that i need a routine in order to survive yeah like, i don't here. think i could be a person that you know didn't have some form of routine and i do the same thing every morning but the one thing i have incorporated is to meditate and mm. it's 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 definitely and sometimes i don't I try to, like when 
I lay in bed for probably 10, 15 minutes and then I try to get up and do it. But sometimes I don't have time or I'm running late and sometimes I don't do it until I'm at work, which is perfectly fine. Um, I have my own office and (laughs) (laughs) so I can sit there and, uh, you know, for 10 minutes every now and then I get interrupted, but, uh, you know, for the most part it works. I, other than that, I don't really, other than, you know, getting dressed and brushing my teeth and, and things like that, there isn't really much that I do all the time. Yeah. Um, every morning that it, for self-care. Um, and the meditation thing has only been for like the last six to eight months. So <clears throat> it's still kind of a new thing. You know, there are mornings I miss and, uh, but, you know, I try, I'm trying. Like hey, I said before, yeah. self-care has not always been easy for me. So any time that I actually can put into it is incredibly important. Yeah, most definitely. And, you know, I, uh, I've been meditating on and off for seven years. And sometimes I can do it for 25 minutes. And sometimes I do it for two minutes. Yeah. It's just like, you know, but when I do it, and I do it on a consistent basis, my head is just so much better. I'm more relaxed. My friends at work, my coworkers, my friends, the people that I choose to be around me, they want to be around me when I meditate. Because if not, mm-hmm. unfortunately, I'm just a dick. <laughs> like, I, I, I try and do everything with love. But if I don't meditate, then I am not a happy camper at all. Yeah, so. it relieves a lot of hidden stressors that, you know, and it lets me, I'm a constant thinker. Like, I don't shut down until my sleeping pill kicks in at night. Yep. <laughs> and I, and I, it takes, it's taken me a lot, and it still takes me a lot when I do meditate to actually learn how to turn it off. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it's exactly what I needed. And sometimes I'll do it more than once a day. You know, it, it doesn't necessarily mean that I only do it in the morning, but it's, a, I've learned that it's a good way to start the day, you mm-hmm. know, just kind of release, you know, anything that I might've been holding on to from the day before and, mm-hmm. and start this day fresh. And, yeah. you know, because I am, I'm a constant thinker. I constantly worry about things and, so like you said, sometimes I can do it for 25 minutes. Sometimes I'm, I can barely get to two. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And yeah, exactly. It's just and like, you know, I, I try and make my bed every morning and I try and like have a list. And now I started doing the things I don't want to do list. Mm-hmm. Cause like somebody pointed out, like, you're never going to forget the, uh, the things that you want to do. That's it's always true. the stuff that you need to do. And like, paying that bill or having that uncomfortable conversation or whatever like and having that is just having a structure for me and what my life is and my struggles are like that is key for my like my success if I get off my morning routine my whole day is just theft I yeah yeah it's it's crazy um so I got one last question for you sure well I got a couple last questions for you uh but really the last question um what is your message to the world? What is my message to the world? Wow, that's a that's a good question. Um, 
I would tell the world to be honest, uh, not just with themselves, but with everybody and to love everybody and to cherish the time that you have with somebody that you hold, you know, near and dear. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not a person that goes out there and says, you know, well, peace and things like that. But Mm -hmm. I think it's important at the end of the day that we all love each other. And I think I've talked about that a lot during this Mm -hmm. episode with you. And I, to just go love somebody, to go tell them how much you care about them and love them and cherish them. They don't have to be your intimate partner. They can be your friend. They can be an acquaintance. They could be the homeless man on the street that you pass every day when you get off work at five o'clock. Just so that people know that they are cared about and loved and that people do give a shit. Because I think sometimes that we get so busy in life that we don't think about those small little things Mm -hmm. and for everybody to slow down and remember the small things not just the big things you know you know what your child did that day in school and uh you know not just when they lost their first tooth or when Mm -hmm. they took their first step or you know or or when you got a job promotion or you know just little things i you know sitting on the couch with your partner holding their hand, you know, that you don't have to go to some fancy dinner and walk around New York City to, you know, hold their hand, you know, Mm -hmm. just little things like that. But to love, to go out there and love, to, Mm -hmm. and to be positive and accepting and inclusive of everybody, regardless of what their gender is, what their sexual orientation is, what their race is, their ethnic background, it shouldn't matter. Just love and let people love you back. Love it. Absolutely love it. That's amazing. So where can people find you? Social media, podcast, website, where? Yeah, so you can find the podcast at, uh, on social media on, at Transcaster Radio. That's on uh, Instagram and Facebook. You, uh, Twitter is Transcaster Rad. Don't they uh, wouldn't let me have radio? And you can huh. find my personal Instagram at um, Keep Up That Grind. And my personal Facebook is Kaden J Taylor. And um, you can also check out the podcast. We have a website. Uh, transcasterradio.com and we upload the episodes there I, I put extra content there anything uh, you can find out where our patreon page is if you want to donate to pay, paypal you can find out more information about me if you didn't get enough from this episode <laughs> and um, of course it's anywhere you listen to podcasts apple itunes uh, spotify stitcher Right on. Cool. Love it. Well, thank you again, Caden. This was awesome. I love connecting with you. Um, This was really cool, man. Yeah, thank you. Hey, guys. I really hope you enjoyed that episode with with Caden. Man, that was amazing. Uh, 
please go find him on Instagram at Caden Taylor. Uh, that's probably wrong. So check the show notes for exact spellings. Uh, but if you know, if you find any value out of this podcast, guys, please go rate and review it. Let me know your thoughts, please, on Apple, on Stitcher, you know, on iTunes, wherever. I just I would very much appreciate it if you go and rate and review this. Uh, share with a loved one again. Find me, Robert Lude, on Instagram. Find Tyler Michael Chauncey on Instagram. Find Caden at Caden J Taylor on Instagram. Again, check the notes, show notes for the spelling because I don't have them right in front of me. Um, hey guys, and again, I hope each and every one of you have a wonderful holiday season. And thank you again for listening. And I'll talk to you guys soon.